And so today, um, what I want to talk to you about in Ezra chapter 2 and Nehemiah chapter 3, real briefly, is the idea of sacrificial service. And you go, ah, you got us, Rob. Now you're going to use the word of God just to, to make it say what you want to say. And I'm like, no, this goes beyond just serving in a church. This goes to your life. And here's what I want you to think about, okay, as we get into Nehemiah chapter 3, and we're going to read that this morning, Nehemiah 3, and then we'll go into Ezra chapter 2. What are you doing with three specific things in your life? Okay, I want three specific things, not not five, not ten, not two, not one, three. Three specific things in your life. What are you doing with number one? And I want you to remember these. It's going to be a quiz, all right? First one is this. What are you doing with your time? Okay? Secondly, wait, I know know sometimes it's Sunday. It's almost lunchtime. I want us all to say it together. What are we doing with our? Oh, you. You, you know what I want. What are we doing with our? Thank you. No, that, one more time. What are we doing with our? Thank you. All right. Second thing is this. Not just time. What are we doing with our talent? Say it with me. Our talent. One more time. Our talent, right? And thirdly, what are we doing with our treasure? Everybody say it together. Tre- uh, y'all don't want to say it, do you? Y'all don't want to say it. Everybody say treasure. Say it. Treasure, right? Okay, why am I talking about these things? Because these are the three most important things that you'll wind up doing with your life. It'll either be something in time management, it'll either be doing something with how you use the skill sets that God has given you, or what you do with the provision that God has blessed you with. This is what life is all about. And when we look at Ezra and Nehemiah, this is exactly what this new uh, exodus of people coming out of Babylon, coming out of these foreign lands back into the promised land, this is what they had to deal with. I want you to think about what's happened. So for most of the people in captivity, most scholars say it was around 70 years that they were away, right? That's a long time. That's a lifetime, right? And so think about the stories that you may have heard. Let's say you moved, let's say you, you lived in West Unity, you lived in, North, in Williams County, and you, and you lived here when you were a little kid, and all of a sudden your mom and dad moved you far away to a foreign land, New York City, right? And you go all the way over to New York City, you grow up there, everything is, is, is completely and totally uh, just out of what you're used to uh, or what your parents are used to, but for you, New York City is what? Home. Right? That's all you know. You may have got there when you were two, three years old, but for as, as far as all that you know, New York City is, is it. And so all of a sudden, dad gets a job transfer or they're just missing back Williams. I mean, because when you live in Williams County, ain't no place like Williams County. Amen? Right? I mean, d- dude, I'm from New York City and I visited my parents on Christmas. I got in one traffic jam. I was like, I can't wait to go. And I called Ohio for the first time home. I could not wait to get back. And, and so think about this. So mom and dad, they're like, I mean, they're, 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 there's, there's toll fare hikes, there's all these different things. And they're like, I can't, I, we got to go back. And so now they had just announced to you, and imagine if they throw this into it, right? God said, we're going back. Well, now you got nothing to say, right? Now you can't go, my friends, my family, because it doesn't matter what you said. What did they say? 
God said, we're moving back, right? And so you pick up, all you've done is heard stories about Williams County. You've never been to Williams County. You just know that there's nothing in Williams County and that everything is in New York. You've never heard of this place called DG. You don't know what Dollar General is. You don't understand that subways actually thrive out here and they die in the city. You don't know any of this stuff. And so, you, so you're, you're moving and you have this, all this trepidation, all this fear about what it means to move. And then when you get back to Williams County, you're told immediately, not only did God want you to move, but by the way, your time is going to be spent doing something that's already been worked out for you. Your talents are going to be used in areas that, that even though you know you have the skill set, maybe you didn't want to do that. And thirdly, you're going to have to give up a lot of the family money in order to make this stuff thrive. And it's all supposed to be for God. For those of us who are skeptic, we're like, yo, this, we just joined a cult. But for those who understand the importance of Israel going back into the promised land, and this is what the scribes and the priests and those, and those leaders who had this spiritual uh, just inkling to tell them, hey, we're going back to where what? We belong. And the first part, before we even start talking about time, talent, and treasure, I want you to have this as the backdrop. You won't understand the significance of how you use your time, talent, and treasure until you first understand the significance of going back home. And a lot of us, that's where it starts. A lot of us, and I remember, I remember exactly what I, what I spoke to you guys about last year when I first got here. I, it was entitled Back At It, and us getting back into the groove because of the summer. And I'm here to tell you, and I'll probably tell you it every year right around this time, summer's over, folks. And some of us, we've taken a, given our Christianity a backseat because it's summer. And so I'm not going to do, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rake you over the coals. I'm not going to say, bless God, you should never have done that. I'm just going to tell you, summer's over. It's time for us to get back. And the only way you're going to understand how to use your time, your talent, and your treasure the right way is to recognize that we need to go back home. And for some of us, going, coming back home may just be getting in the groove again of coming to the rock and getting involved, and that may be just it. But for some of us, maybe for a lot of us, if we're really thinking about it, because we haven't been that successful at keeping our relationship with God as close as it was maybe in the fall and in the winter and the spring, maybe it wasn't just attendance. Maybe it wasn't just, you know, activities that kind of went by this wayside. Maybe if you're honest with yourself, you're like, yeah, my spirituality has taken a couple of steps backwards too. And you realize some other things have taken more preeminent, preeminence than your relationship with Jesus. I'm here to tell you, hey, no one's here to rag on you. No one here's gonna judge you because we're all in the same boat. I'm just telling you, summer's over. It's time to get back with Jesus. And the only way for us to understand what God wants us to do with our time, our talent, and the treasure is to realize God wants us back home. And so that's what I want you to have as your backdrop as we talk about these things. So let's all stand. Let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 3, and let's read what the Bible says together here. Nehemiah chapter 3. The Bible says, The high priest Eliashib and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. They dedicated it and installed its doors. The, after, the, after building the wall to the tower of the hundred and the hundred and the tower of Haniel, they dedicated it. The men of Jericho built the next next to Eliashib, and the next to Zachar the son of Vimri built. 
The son of Hassaniah built the fish gate. They built it with beams and installed it with doors, bolts, and bars. Next to them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, son of Hikas, made repairs. Beside them, Mishael, the son of Bechariah, and the son of Meshezbel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadak, the son of Banna, made repairs. Beside them, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not lift a finger to help the supervisors. Joida, the son of Pizah, and Meshulam, the son of Beosadiah, repaired the old gate. They built with beams and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. Next to them, the repairs were done by Melatiah, the Gibeonite, Jadon, the Merathonite, and the men of Gibeon and Mizpah, who were under the authority of the governor of the region west of the Euphrates River. After him, Uziel, the son of Hariah, the goldsmith, made repairs. Next to him, Hananiah, the son of the perfumer, made repairs. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Raphael, the son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. And after them, Jedidiah, son of Hermoth, made repairs across his house. Next to him, Hattush, the son of Hashbaniah, made repairs. Machajiah, the son of Harim and Hashem, son of Pathat Moab, made repairs to others, another section, as well as the tower of the, of the ovens. Beside them, Shalom, son of Hashua, the ruler of the half the district, made repairs, he and his daughters." My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks for standing. You can be seated. We're going to get into a lot more of that, but I like ending that verse saying he and his daughters, right? Everybody got involved in this, except we find out the, the, the princes and the leaders, they didn't get involved. And I like how it's recorded in scripture about who got involved and who didn't get involved. And the first thing I thought about when I keep seeing phrases like they made repairs, Practically, I know Rod and Jim want me nowhere near things like this, right? When they say made repairs, they say, Rob, you do the preaching. We'll, we'll continue to build stuff. You just stay over here. I should not be involved in making any kind of repairs, right? But these guys were, and a lot of them were. They were using their skill sets for the Lord, right? And the thing is, this took time to do. So I want you to think about, you just imagine, you, you moved from New York City to Williams County. The first thing you want to do, you want to find out where life and civilization is. For me, where do I want to find first? Where do we eat? Where do we eat, right? So you're trying to find, you try, you open up your, your Yelp app and realize Yelp has nothing to do with Williams County, Ohio. So that's not going to be there. So that's not going to help you, right? So you keep looking at different places to eat and you find out if you want anything that resembles home, you're going to have to go to Fort Wayne or Toledo. That's the closest thing you're going to get. So you realize, you know, you're just a kid. You don't have a car. It's not happening. So you have to find something local. But then you're told while you're trying to find the lay of the land, hey, we got to get to work. We got things to do. And then someone takes you and they find out the rubble of where your entire family, where your entire culture comes from has been destroyed. And, it's, and, it's, and God has given you not only the, uh, the, the permission from a foreign king, but also substance from a foreign land, plus what your family is going to kick in. And they say, hey, you're going to be spending your days building something. You're going to do something. And not only, you're, and, and this is sometimes, you know, um, some people, when they get into like a DIY project or they buy a house that they want to flip, sometimes when they go through the house, they realize this house is not flippable. We're going to have to tear the whole thing down and start fresh. The problem is sometimes, especially in these ancient lands, you couldn't just tear everything down. These things were significant. These things were ancient. These things were sacred. And so a lot of the things that these people did was not building from scratch, which sometimes is easier because then you just get new plans, new ideas, and you do what you want. This had to be built the way that it was supposed to be built, and you weren't the designer. So someone is telling you to use your time and your talent and your treasure to restore something that is bigger than you. 
And that sometimes is our biggest hang-up in serving God is because we have our own ideas, we have our own opinions, and this is why sometimes we don't like serving inside of a church because we know that sometimes things can get contentious because we have all our opinions, all our ideas. But think about it. Nehemiah chapter 3 is a testament that the work got done. That people with different views, people with different understandings of what the significance of the promised land was, they all came together as families and the people of God and built things and repaired things. And everyone got involved. There was a guy who was the son of a perfumer, right? I don't know if he was like, you know, he was an Armaniite. I don't know who he was. But he put it together. He got his son got it and he started building stuff. The daughters got involved. You know, the guy was like, yo, I don't got no sons, but let's go, girls. And they're like, let's do it, right? This place got built. The most significant thing that we see in chapter three, as you read through the whole chapter, is that all these different parts of places, all the gates got put up first. All the entryways, all the things of protection got put in first. And I'm telling you, this is significant in your spiritual life. You use your time, your talent, and your treasure to build up walls of security for your spiritual life. Not walls to keep people out. Not walls to make you more introvert. Not walls to let only the people that you want in know. You build up places of security by using your time, your talent, your treasure, so you're not idle and using it for other things. When you're busy serving God, when you're busy growing your relationship with Jesus, you don't have time to do the things that you shouldn't be doing. So they build all these gates. They build the horse gate, the inspection gate, the sheep gate, the angle and water gate, the towel on the offal, the valley gate, the dung gate, the fountain gate, the old gate, the broad wall, tower of the ovens, the fish gate. These guys got everything that they needed to get out in order to get the walls up first. This was an accomplishment that only can happen when you sacrifice and you surrender your time, your talent, and your treasure. So what does that mean for us? Looking at your 24-hour day, what are we spending our time on? And a lot of us are like, work. Man, I mean, work. And then, and then not only work, some of us, besides working the career that we have, we also farm, which is a lot of work. And then after that, think about the amount of money that we spend just to keep our family going. Our treasure goes out in one door. Sometimes we feel like that we're handing our checks over to the food store, you know? Sometimes we're, hand, we're just handing our stuff over. So a lot of us live week to week, paycheck to paycheck. And when we talk about, man, you want us to sacrifice, I think I'm already sacrificing taking care of my family. And then you think about your skill set. Some of us, and, I, and, I, and we really think this way, I do this skill set all week. I know I do it well, but I don't want to do that at church because I do it all week. And that's the mindset that we have. And it is absolutely a human mindset to have all that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be challenged today by this. Sometimes God uses us to repair the things that only we can do because of the skill set that we have. And sometimes God uses us who doesn't have a skill set at all in that area to confound the wise, and he uses us in that skill set too. So I'm here to tell you, no matter what you feel you can do or can't do with your time, your talent, and your treasure, I want to remind you, a bunch of foreigners came back home, and they build up a wall and build up a city, and they all had to take care of their families as well. 
So this is my challenge to you. Before we get into our communion, I want to use our communion as a time of just us to reflect on how we serve. Do you feel? That's why so I'm not, this is not some Rob's judging you, Rob telling you to get more involved. Here's what I want you to do. I want, to, I want you to ask God these questions. Am I using my time, my talent, and my treasure correctly? And if the answer is yes, God bless you. If the answer is no, I want you to ask the follow-up question, and here's where it gets rough sometimes for us. When we ask God a question and he answers, and then there's also a follow-up, what are we doing with our time, our talent, our treasure? And how, how can we use it to serve Jesus? Are we not building up walls of protection to make sure that we're keeping our spiritual life intact? Maybe you're like, Rob, I'm, I have not been where I'm supposed to be spiritually over the summer, and I, I just need to get back at it. Take some time to talk to God about what he talked to you about as we get ready for communion, because communion is going to be a time for us to just solidify these things together, okay? That's what it's going to be for. But I want you just to take time now and talk to God about what he's talked to you about. You can come up and pray at the altar here. There's some steps here. We can come pray with you. Take some time. Just talk about your time, your talent, and your treasure. Are you doing what you should be doing with it? Or when you look at the word of God, when you look at your relationship with God, ask the spirit to speak to you. Are you using it the way that you're supposed to be using it? Let's pray.